0: This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I have purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today's podcast guest is Mary Bowen. Farming is in her genes, six generations back from County Kerry, Ireland. Her family were crop farmers before becoming to America to become farmers in the U.S. Uh, She is entrusted by God to be the steward of his livestock and environment, and she really enjoys serving. She raises beef cattle, meat goats, and dairy goats. In addition, she uses her goats to eat unwanted vegetation, which saves the environment and people from toxic chemicals. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So share with us a little bit about, you come from six generations of farmers. Did you grow up on a farm or did that happen a little bit later?
1: That happened just a little bit later. My parents really didn't farm. My father worked in town and my mom stayed at home and took care of us.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And then when I was young, I started raising horses. And it wasn't until I met my husband that because of his farming background and raising tobacco and raising livestock that we started raising our own livestock.
0: Yes. Yeah. So you started raising your own livestock and what kinds of, at that point, what did you start out with?
1: We started out with beef cattle. I knew right away that I wanted to be able to raise our own for ourselves, And Uh then it didn't take long once our family and friends started tasting the meat that we were raising for ourselves and wanted it to be raised for them. And from there, it's just flourished. Uh-huh. And when our children wanted to start raising the meat goats, it, it just kind of went hand in hand. And where we live in Maryland, near major cities which are within 30 to 45 minutes drive for the farmers market the goat meat became very popular people would stop in and say oh my goodness I've had this when I've been out of the country I didn't know I could even get it here
0: mm. very interesting so talk me through the land because Maryland's a small um, state and land is pretty hard to come by how many acres are you farming there
1: on our personal property, we're farming five and a half. And then I lease out land where I keep the uh, mama cows and the goats that I rent out. Our dairy goats stay here on our personal property. And then the rest of the livestock is on the land that we lease. Aha. Uh-huh. So that, that keeps us in business. Uh, because as you just said, Maryland's not very big and land is very hard to come by. And without having to move, which we don't want to move, we like our location of where we're at. It just made more sense to be able to lease land.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And typically land can be leased for a fraction of the purchase value. Correct. Yeah, And that,
1: and that way the lease agreement allows me to still be able to do what I need to do. And it allows that farmer some sort of income without having to leave their land.
0: Mm -hmm. And how have you found your leases just by knocking on doors or word of mouth?
1: It actually just kind of happened that the particular property that we're at now happened to be a friend of our daughter, Amanda. And they were looking to be able to lease out their property because they wanted to travel and they wanted their property to be able to be cared for. They wanted their barns, all of the land to be cared for so that they didn't have to think about it, hiring someone to come in there while they weren't there and wondering, was it even being done right? So it just all worked out that I was looking and they were looking at the same time and the connection happened to be our daughter.
0: That's awesome. Um, And then did you have to do any upgrades to the property or already have set up with fences and that sort of thing?
1: We did. We had to put up different type of fencing for the goats to keep them in because the fencing that they had was more for cattle slash horses. It was uh, three board fencing and goats that wouldn't keep them in. So yes. we put up temporary electric fencing for the goats. Gotcha. Otherwise the barn is perfect because we can use one side of the barn for the goats and the other side of the barn, the way it was set up that it could all be run in for the cattle and, and not have to do any sort of changes.
2: mhm uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: So talk about the the labor for you is that just you and your husband or how many how many people are in your operation
1: Well listening to your podcasts and your videos that you've done over the years and other marketing experts I realized that this was not something that I could do forever all by myself I needed to either grow the business or uh-huh. get out of the business because I was not going to burn myself out and try to do this all by myself. My husband works full time, so it was left up to me. And I I knew that I could quickly get burned out, especially with the dairy goats uh-huh. having to be committed to twice a day, taking a couple hours a day. And then with the rental goats, I knew that I was just going to be burned out. So I had to have help. Once our children were old enough to get their own full-time jobs. Now I have an employee that milks and cares for the dairy goats for me. And then the goats that I rent out to eat unwanted vegetation, I have an employee there as well. Cause that's something I definitely could not do by myself, put up that temporary fencing and Uh all the accessories that go along with it.
0: All right. I've got so many questions about that goat rental business. Um, Now, I I think you said a lot of your clients are, are they um, municipalities or who's the kind of people that contract
2: with you?
1: Primarily it is municipalities. And now I've had public school systems want to talk to me about their county in particular, because they are having issues with residents that border the properties. The school grounds aren't being maintained like they should be. So the <laughs> residents are complaining, and a lot of the counties and areas now are no herbicides. So they have to have an alternative means of what to do with it. So they're turning to the goats. And because I've been in business now with the goats since 2010. Uh, people reach out to me on a daily basis. I get anywhere from 10 to 15 phone calls a day. Oh my gosh. That want to rent the goats out.
0: 10. Wow. Now, okay. So, uh, how long do you, how many like goats typically t- does it take to clear an acre? And like, I mean, obviously it depends on like how much vegetation are they going after just grass or is it typically gay brush?
1: It is definitely brush. I have a few sheep that I purchased this year. So if the property has more grass than it does brush, I can take the sheep and help the goats out while the goats are eating the high vegetation that's climbing up the trees and Uh all those brambles, then the sheep can eat the grass and the low growing things. Uh, But primarily the goats want the broadleaf vegetation. That's Mm -hmm. really what they prefer. And it works out because being where we are in either Maryland and we also go into Virginia, there's waterways everywhere. So we have Phragmites that grow. We have Kudzu that grows. Brambles are terrible, which is multiflora rose. Uh uh And poison ivy is always mixed into all of that. And landscape companies, if you call them, and I don't blame them, say, no way. We don't want the Uh downtime and lose our employees to highly allergic poison ivy or poison sumac.
0: Oh, so they won't even touch it because they're afraid they're going to have employees then out because they're covered with it.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. That's interesting. Okay. So now the other question I have is I I've obviously worked in brushy situations and I'm assuming you're using like a premier netting fencing that contain the goats and sheep, correct?
1: We are using that net fencing. Yes.
0: Okay. And then, so obviously that's why you have an employee, which has to set that up. Do you have them like bush hog like a, a path all the way around the property so you can get that set up? Or do you have to just kind of like work your way in?
1: Uh, we kind of work it all at the same time where
0: okay.
1: he is clearing the path either with a brush cutter or a machete oh, or, okay. a, or a chainsaw, depending on the density of the vegetation. And then I'm going through setting up the fencing. Mm-hmm. He's working on the path. So we just kind of work hand in hand we just left a job that we do twice a year for a municipality that it is on a creek bed that is all man-made and it's big riprap
2: mm. and
1: the vegetation has grown up between the riprap and two young residents i believe they were 10 when this all started went to their town council and told them that the creek behind their townhome complex used to have frogs, egret, and ducks Uh floating in it. And that they had monitored it enough to tell the town council that it had all stopped because the town council to clear that creek bed of all the vegetation growing up through the rocks was being sprayed by herbicides. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: they asked the town council to please stop that. So there was a vote in that county that you can no longer, it took a while, but you Mm -hmm. no longer can use herbicides.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And while they were working on that, they were in communication with me because one resident out of this one of the largest counties in the United States complained about the manure of the goats. So we had to go through soil conservation and the Agriculture Commission, and it was all determined that it was far better to have the goats on a temporary basis
2: mm-hmm.
1: because there really was not any pollution coming from the goat manure versus continuously spraying herbicides that close to those residents. Now we're two years into this project. The children have been able to go back to the town council and show them the pictures of the egret that has come back, the ducks that live on that Creek. And now the frogs are back.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Now. Okay. So that was the other question with the frequency is like, um, obviously goats only can eat so much, so um you, but you said like that particularly one you do it twice a year what's the most what's the most frequent that you do a section
1: uh, that's the most that okay. project is twice a year typically the other projects we do um once no more than twice a year it depends on the terrain and the density of the vegetation, do we really, if we do it in the spring, do we really need to go back in the fall? If we go back in the fall, it's a much shorter time frame.
0: Okay. All right. Gotcha. And then do you have like, are these clients on like an annual retainer or is it by the time that you come or how do you, how do you work with that side of the, the whole equation?
1: It is actually on an annual retainer. The goats were dropped off today at a job That this is our sixth season at this residence property that Mm -hmm. they have what we call an English garden beyond the original fence of their property in the back part of their property it's just lovely but they they have five homes that surround this area on of their property and they don't want to spray their landscaper keeps saying you know i could just take care of this i could spray for you and they said Uh no that is not being responsible Uh so once a year we go in there right around the beginning of june and it takes care of it for them through the growing season Uh
0: uh-huh now with that, too, do you, um, do you do anything else besides just the goats going, the sheep going in, eating? And then when it's when it's down, you just take them out? And do you set up like specific water for them? Is it movable water? Is it water from the typical, from the, the resident's home? or?
1: It depends on if they're in the city because I've noticed that the goats don't want to drink that water. So we carry a water tank.
2: Oh, wow. And- okay.
1: We monitor the goats every day so it's easy enough to just back my truck up to the water trough that I take for them if we have to provide them water um, and then fill the water trough up with the water from our tank so that they don't um, reject the water because I've noticed like when it's from the city water it has a funny smell to it and they won't drink it.
0: Interesting. Gotcha. And then do you give them any supplements or are they just eating what's there?
1: We do take minerals for them. Okay. So that year round, they are on minerals. Otherwise, when they're eating that vegetation, that's all they get, which really for goats is their natural diet.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and they flourish off of that. They look wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm. And so what I'm...
1: happens is I take the mother goats uh on the projects and then each year they have their kids and those kids are the ones that I then raise to sell the meat through the farmers market or direct here off the
0: farm okay i was kind of wondering about that tie in all right so then um then you have the the stream of babies coming from that those go to meat and then obviously the females probably go to re- replace and expand your herd how many yeah. goats overall do you have
1: overall we have seventy-five.
0: Okay, all right, gotcha. And then let's talk a little bit about your um, the dairy side of this. So I'm assuming those the dairy goats stay on your property, then.
1: Yes, except for the younger ones that haven't been put into milk production yet. They then become a browser until they're mm-hmm. old enough for for breeding for milk production. The state of Maryland does not allow us to sell raw milk for human consumption. I refuse to pasteurize the milk, so I sell it as pet food. The state Uh of Maryland should label it as pet food, and that works very well. We have a lot of customers that we serve that want to be able to feed their dogs or their cats raw, Uh whether it's raw meat or So they buy the milk from us, again, either direct here off the farm or at the farmer's market. We make cheese snacks for dogs and we also make ice cream
0: for dogs using our raw milk. And then um, do some of those dogs have two legs? I don't know. You don't care <laughs> as long as they're buying it, right? Um, so, I what, mean, I... I'm
1: allowed to, what I'm allowed to say is we consume it. What you do with it once you buy it is up to you.
0: Yes. I know some states went as far as making people dye the milk, you know, put like a blue dye or something in it. So it'd be like it turned turn people off. I, I... Had
1: heard that in the state of Maryland when they first
2: yeah
1: to allow they were considering putting charcoal in the milk and what they ended up doing is not doing that but you have to use plastic jugs that look like the oil jugs that you buy from the auto parts store (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) i mean uh, one aspect of charcoal if it was activated charcoal wouldn't be a bad thing but i'm sure and and would pack some sort of flavor or anyway yeah anyway that's interesting um So, yeah, I know like right now, right now we're facing this uh, formula crisis, you know, people aren't able to get formula for their kids and I know obviously goat milk is a popular aspect for that so I we've actually here on the our farm had significant people asking about it. If we knew anyone that had goats um, to try to get the goat milk for their kids so
1: well and goats milk is as close to human milk as you can get.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or is concerned.
0: Yeah. Hey thriving farmers, do you know that you are already standing on the key to bigger yields and better profits? To help maximize your yield and profit potential, look beyond the standard fertility options. Choose Ultra by AgriGrow. Ultra is an OMRI-listed soil prebiotic technology designed to develop the native microorganisms in your soil. AgriGrow's prebiotic technologies are engineered with the users in mind. Ultra is easy to use and has great tank mixing abilities that won't clog or mess up sprayers or injectors. It also does not require refrigeration like many other probiotic formulas available on the market. In December of 2020, I was introduced to Agrogrow. At first I was a skeptic, but I was able to check out their production facility and meet the owners and staff. This company is great. Over the last year and a half, I've run several different trials using their products and I'm really impressed with the results that I see. I've seen my soil texture improve during cultivation. I've seen decade-old heirloom corn germinate for the first time. My $6 cost of ultra boosted my strawberry fields dramatically. AgriGrow is offering a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out at smallfarm.solutions. Again, that is T H R I V E for ten percent off discount on your first order. So the milks, then and then you're milking, and then you sell at farmers market and at the farm for that. Yes. Okay. Now, um, how just one farmers market a week, or
1: year round? We do one farm market on Sunday, and then okay. during the summer we add two other markets. We also at the farmer's market on Sunday, we serve breakfast because we have a uh, beef sausage made. Uh-huh. So we sell our beef sausage, uh, sausage gravy, or you can get a Western omelet. And then on Wednesday evenings, you can get a bur- hamburger or cheeseburger or steak sandwich.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now with, um, With that, do you have to have a specific kitchen or how are you set up to sell that food?
1: Fortunately, in the state of Maryland, you can set up at the farmer's market and they call it a temporary event. Uh So you can cook while you're at the farmer's market, as long as you have the environmental license from the health department.
0: Uh Okay. So you just have to have the license and then you're good with that.
2: Very
0: cool. Um, Now, with the goats, do you run those year-round on land, or is it mainly during the the spring, summer, fall?
2: It
1: is April through November, and then during the winter, they're unemployed uh, on maternity leave.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: And that's when I take a vacation is February.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That must be nice. All right. So the, the beef side, do you, um, is that just like, uh, do you have a cow calf operation? So you have the moms and then you just raise them up or how do you make that work?
1: Sometimes we are able to use our own calves because we have bull calves born. Uh, Uh Otherwise I buy calves once they've been weaned off their mom. Uh, And it all got started with the cow calves when our youngest son started purchasing heifers back around 2010. And he showed his cows and steers in particular and did extremely well with that. And now that he's an adult, he has continued with it and hasn't skipped a beat because he he built up his clientele that they know and expect that quality of
0: meat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and is that all then USDA processed or how to get that processed?
1: Yes, we do take it to get it USDA processed because here in Maryland, if it's not USDA processed, you cannot sell by the cut. You can mm-hmm. sell by the side, but you cannot sell by the cut. So in order to either sell it here off the farm or at the farmer's market, it has to go through USDA. Uh I, I have been involved in some discussion where they are looking to try over time to change it over where it can be state inspected. But that at the earliest, I think that would be 2025 or 2026, if that were to even happen because there's so many regulations that they have to look into because COVID really brought to light the whole that's in the system. There is a big uh-huh. hole with getting yeah. Meat processed.
0: Yeah. I've got friends in the uh, Shenandoah Valley that are trying to do a meat packing plant. And they, um, I mean, this was going to be a multi-million-dollar, I think build and they got pretty far with this due diligence and stuff. And the city finally pulled that they were going to be able to uh, provide the, the sewer and water. Uh, oh, great. Yes. I mean, they, yeah, he had spent so much money on the whole thing. And then the city originally had told them, yeah, we can provide 20,000 gallons a day um, because that's what they need. They set this up um, because the government has seen, and one aspect they're seeing the the holes in the system, you know, with four meat packers in the U S and I think it was at 10 major plants. Those are problems. Um, so yeah, he was, he was working all the down and it just, yeah, it comes down to just being able, all the logistics is such a problem. Yes. And then it's just, yeah, it's too, it's too much, um, bureaucracy. So, yes. um, but yeah, so that, that is a thing I'm assuming that adds a significant amount of cost to your beef as well. It
1: does. And that, is what happens at the farmer's market is really educating the customers to understand when they come up to you and say, you know, I, I don't understand why your pricing is different than the grocery store. And first of all, you have to explain to them what they get in the grocery store is wet aged. It's not dry aged. And then you explain to them, what does that mean? So that adds cost right there, just all by itself. And then what it costs to custom cut your meats versus the large packing plants that have all those beef cows that go in day in and day out. So those custom cuts from the farmer direct, all of those costs are on us.
2: Uh
1: And any other producer, whatever that may be, costs always end up going to the customer. So when, when I explain to them and break it down, you know, this, this adds to this, and this adds to that, then they see that it's not just someone coming in there with some price that doesn't have a process of why it costs what it does. And then the key thing is building that relationship with your customers so that they understand that they're supporting you as your family when they're buying your product. Mhm.
2: Uh-huh, mhm.
0: Uh-huh. Um so let's talk about marketing here. So it sounds like for your your clearing um service that that doesn't need any marketing. It sounds like it sells itself. You have more people than you can deal with.
1: Well, for a while it took A lot of marketing on the website, really Uh getting that honed in and getting who was my ideal customer, because the ideal customer for that business is totally different than the ideal customer that buys our meats and our dairy product. Uh But I really had to focus who was that customer and then write the content for that so that once I did that, then the hits started coming in daily for that website.
0: All right, so let's talk through that for a second because I think you said something really important there. You just said, I had to know who the, I think you said, I had to know who the customer was and make sure it's tailored toward that. So explain a little bit about kind of the work you did to figure out who that was.
1: I really had to figure out a person that wants to use the goat. And first of all, they're conscious about the environment and what they do. So I used Facebook to help me out who, who is that type of person? That type of person is someone that recycles Uh uh, their their household products. Uh, That's someone that um, cares about their next door neighbor because they have read just enough to know that herbicides living in our area, the neck of the woods with the amount of humidity that we have in the Washington metropolitan area. They know enough that herbicides carry. So they didn't want to spray and get it going to their neighbor's house. So that was another thing that I learned from doing research on the internet. Um, Most of my customers that call me are women because their husband they they own a beautiful piece of property. Their husband works all week long. He doesn't want to spend the weekend trying to clear and get rid of the mess that's growing. And in particular, they find out how poisonous, the poison ivy and poison sumac is, and then they find out how allergic they are to it. And, and a lot of times the calls come in because they've ended up being in the hospital. So when mm. I write When I write the marketing material, the content on the site to gear towards that, where you don't want to be spending your weekends. Why wouldn't you want to spend time with your five-year-old child that's learning how to ride his bicycle? Uh You don't want to spend time focusing on getting rid of that mess that's in your property. Uh So that that really was an eye-opener, learning how to identify the ideal customer and what they're looking for
0: and, and what is that website that's not on your prosperityacres.com website that's browsing Browsinggreengoats.com. browsing dot we're going to go there right now and check it out um very cool and do you have hits from all over the country or do people know that you're very localized
1: well, when I do the um, Google statistics, I see that hits come in from everywhere. And so when people call and they are out of my area, then I just have to let them know I'm sorry, that's, you know, four hours away. But I have done jobs four hours away, just so you know, Michael, because it was on the beach and I could take a <laughs> vacation to the beach while the goats were working. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, not a bad, that's not a bad idea.
1: Um, I have done that. I've taken my grandchildren; they've gone with me. I've set the goats up. We'll go and check on them first thing in the morning, in the evening, and the rest of the day we spend time at the beach.
0: Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing you could probably do is you could, if if, if you're getting enough people from out of places, you could start setting this up as a franchise. Is you teach others to do this, and there could be a a, a nationwide goat, um, goat cleanup.
1: I hadn't thought about
0: that, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I because like if people raise goats, this is a fabulous opportunity for them. And as as um, more and more municipalities keep turning to trying to do natural ways of doing this, I think that's a just a win-win for everybody. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, again, that's, a, that's another conversation. But um, anyway, I'm always just, I'm just an ideas guy. That's why I get in trouble all the time with the crew on the farm. <laughs> um but very cool um so what would you say to you know cuz it sounds like when you started out you had to take some time to make this work what would you say to someone who's maybe like trying to market a new product or starting and they just can't quite they can't they know it's a good idea they just can't quite make it work
1: never give up on yourself and never give up on your dreams always if you feel that you're stuck what is it that's really stuck
2: mm.
1: what is not working for you and how can you go another avenue and make it still work. Another uh-huh. avenue means, you know, there's a fork in the road, and do you take a right or do you take a left? Don't allow that stuckness to flow over into the business that you think it's never going to work. It may just mean that you have to do it a little bit different than you originally thought.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So just and- keep trying new things
1: keep it keep trying it new things I I never thought when we first started with the goat meat that I would have the goats to rent them out but it it just kind of all happened that way I it happened that someone came over here that owned a golf course and said hey I heard you had goats my daughter's an environmental major in school and she told me that that's what I should be using to keep the woods around the golf course clear will you come and take a look at my golf course and come to find out when we set the goats up and it just never it didn't occur to me that going from goat meat i would be setting up goats to eat unwanted vegetation so you always have to be thinking outside the box of how you can make your farm work
2: Uh
0: for your
1: customers
0: so you're telling me that this whole goat thing started by accident
1: well, sort of by accident, i had I had gone to uh, the University of Maryland had a workshop on artificial insemination, and I went, and the professor there, he started talking to me about using the goats to rent them out, and I said, wow, that that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know." And he yeah. said, well, I was I was in charge of it at Langston university. He said, if I mentor you, do you want to do it? And I said, well, if I have you as my mentor, then I'll do it. Uh Uh And then it just, that was, um, in the fall, the following spring, this gentleman that owned the golf course showed up at our farm Uh without any invitation. He just showed up and I thought, well, this is going to be my test pilot to figure out how this is all going to work. And, and it, and it was the uh, people that would uh, go to the golf course, love the idea that there wasn't any herbicides anymore being sprayed.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: the biggest thing is that we were able to tell people that it cleared out the understory of the woods so that the air could circulate because of the humidity that we have, it was causing mold And it was causing a lot of um, fungus to grow, which that's one of the big, and um, that was the biggest thing that I find when I go to jobs is mold and fungus growing in people's yard because it's so wet around here. And I can explain to them and I can show them the pictures. When you clean out that understory, you allow the circulation it cuts down on the mosquitoes in your yard. It cuts down on the ticks in your yard. So you always have to be thinking on your farm, how can I do this differently so that it works?
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I want to go back to the marketing of your, the browsinggreengoats.com, because what you're doing there is you're also doing a lot of keyword articles. I'm noticing here. About to pull people in that may not, you know, they may not be searching for browsing green goats, but they're asking, you get, you get a blog here that was, I forget when it was posted, but it was, are butterflies really in danger? And it talks about butterflies. And then it talks about how, you know, goats can help with that. Um, you've got one on how to save the bog turtle, the rarest turtle. So that's, that's, I think, really, really, great marketing strategy is just build these articles, which are going to pull people in and they can see the problem. And then they can see that you have the solution for it. Um, and I, th- what I like to, it's kind of a little complicated to go through, but if you look at the different levels of marketing, you obviously have the people that like absolutely need something right then and there. Um, you know, like if you've got a flat tire, you absolutely need uh, a but trying to sell AAA to people that don't have a flat tire is a little bit more challenging, which is what you're doing here, which is kind of like giving people that extra push to pull them in and kind of show your solution to the problem they didn't know they had. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely recommend people check out browsinggreengoats.com and just and again, this is not a crazy uh, complicated website. It's relatively simple, and the aspect that it's got one purpose of pull people there to talk about the goats, and uh, you obviously got some contact you and all that good stuff there. But um, yeah. Anyway, well done. I really uh, you you spent a lot of time and effort and thought into making this uh, work, and it obviously does. Thank you. Um, what is your favorite farming tool? Oh, favorite farming tool.
1: Hmm. I would have to say
0: the invention of the milk machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as someone that has hand milked dairy goats as well as machine milk them, I say that is uh, absolutely that's up there. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then I'm assuming electric fence too. And I don't think with electric fence we would all be lost.
1: Absolutely. Electric fences on the top of the list.
0: Yeah.
1: With everybody where they need to be.
0: Yeah. What else would you like to share with our, our listeners? Anything else that we uh, haven't covered?
1: Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't listen to the naysayers and really keep just going within every day and saying, how can I serve my community? And mm-hmm. it, it'll happen.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mary, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Appreciate your time today. And I can't wait for our listeners to uh, check out your episode and uh, learn all about, you know, goats and uh, how you're profiting with them.
2: Thank
1: you very much. Have a great day.
0: This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. we love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.